0: Welcome, everybody. It's No Driving Gloves again. Kind of an interesting week. We obviously record a little bit ahead of time now. Helps keep these episodes rolling out in a timely fashion, but sometimes we talk about things in the past, or in our present, which are now in the past, however you want to look at that kind of time travel. We're recording this on Daylight Savings Time, the end. Yeah, everybody, you know, just loves, you know, when it's dark after work. I don't understand that. Who cares what side of the fence you're on? But, <laughs> my, you know, as Derek and Will will say, it's uh, John's show, so I can have my opinion there. As I'm saying, uh, Will's on his way back from SEMA. Uh, he won actually some pretty, pretty big awards, won a GM Design Award. I'm sure we'll jump into it with Will when he's able to join us again. Uh, His 42 Chevy pulled down some major, or that a major award. He's had a lot of publicity and airtime about it.
1: It's a major award.
0: Yeah, he, he, I think he's actually stunned about it. He's usually a very quiet guy, and it's hit some of the social media, and all of us are piggybacking on it. Uh, the podcast, I think McPherson uh, College is piggybacking on it, and I've seen it just about on every page that I monitor, so... Big, big award it's a gorgeous truck uh I'll be honest I've seen photos of it finished and I heard about the build but I saw it during the build if you go to our facebook page and check out the video i shot about a year ago at his open house you'll see the car or the truck actually a year ago in build stage and now it's comp- uh, complete and winning some awards say so i'm I'm pretty proud and privileged to have will as one of the co-hosts on the show when he's able to make it
1: and I'm really looking forward to meeting Will, like meeting Will in person. I know that it, it's been a long time since I've been here, and thanks for having me back. But all I can picture now is um, a big box marked fragile. It's the right time of the year for that, and it's a major award.
0: And that that goes a little bit with how saying, or without saying, or with saying. <laughs> but the, joining that's all, I,
1: that's, that's all I've got in my head. I just picture a lamp coming out of a box that. Uh, <laughs> in the shape of a leg basically. I know it's a little bigger deal, deal than that and I don't mean to make light of it but that's you you call it a major award and I I got to run I got to run with that. There's nothing I can do about it.
0: Yeah, and that that strange voice. Uh, Derek can't join us this week either. Uh he had a family emergency pop up. We would kind of planned this not to have Will and have Derek. and as I said uh, in the last couple episodes we're working on expanding so we can try to always have three hosts. But when uh two of the three regulars are out, we'll jump in and It's a Mr. Sean Yoder. He was on with us in episode 13, and uh, that was one of the episodes we really discussed teen driver safety, uh, which we recently touched on a couple episodes ago, episode 65 with Andy Pilgrim and his foundation. Uh, That's a driving force with all of us.
1: It's still an incredibly big deal.
0: But we're going to, over the next couple weeks, I think, when we get all three of us together, I think... We're gonna review. We've got a lot of new listeners. We're sixty. This will be episode sixty-nine, maybe. Um, like I say, we're a little bit ahead, and I'm not sure. Let's see, or sixty? Yeah, it's probably sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna review. Uh, I'm gonna have all of us are gonna kind of give a little bio on ourselves, so all the the new listeners that haven't had time to listen to seventy episodes of me droning can figure out who who Will is, who Derek is, and who John is, but we'll touch in here with Sean as we had him on before. It was a little over a year ago. In that year, I think everything in Sean's world's, I want to say, turned upside down, but I think he's actually on the way to turning his world right side up. Maybe it was upside down, you know, back when he was uh, uh, instructing with SRT's driving program and Fiat and spending some time, I believe, with Aston Martin and things like that. The kind of the dream jobs we have and I think sometimes when we you know, the the dream jobs I think even Derek and I will attest to it and Will has some headaches. You go, you yeah, know, there's some days we really don't want those and we want to try something else and Sean's got a few new ventures going on and we'll see where this goes. We're gonna keep it light, we're gonna keep it short, we're gonna keep it humorous. Is that a quick summary of your last fifty two weeks, fifty three weeks or so, Sean, or
1: uh yeah, I mean I I wouldn't say that that things have, have been turned upside down just because what I have what I branched out into and and what I actually started is just sort of it's 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 an offshoot of where I have been for the better part of the last two decades. It's just that I instead of consulting for simulation hardware companies, uh I've started my own simulation and gaming hardware company. It's it's mine now. I'm not just consulting and basically giving ideas regarding ergonomic development and integration of simulation software to motion platforms and things of that nature. I'm actually, I can't, I'm going to, i want to stop myself. It's not just me. I do have partners and they're amazing. <laughs> so we are actually uh, building our own simulation chassis. Um, we're looking at, uh, so many different markets. We're getting involved in simulation and gaming, um, coming from the motorsport background that I come from. It's very easy for me to, uh, sort of dedicate myself to the motorsport side of things. But what we really truly want to do with this is create a platform that anyone can sit in and get really comfortable racing, flying. Playing any game that you'd want to play, let's say uh, you know someone did this crazy thing where they they decided to talk into a microphone to people that they don't know. Podcasting would be would be one thing that that would be a very comfortable environment for people to do that. Live streams, things of that nature. We're 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 creating this simulation and gaming hardware platform to hopefully make a dent. Actually, no. We're creating it to make a dent. I'm not going to say hopeful anymore. We're going to make a dent in the 1.3 billion plus gaming market. There there are 1.3 plus billion people on this planet that actively game. And we're looking to be a part of that. So it's, it's pretty exciting.
0: It's been interesting talking to you over, well, we've known each other for, what, 10 or 11 years now. And just even that period of time, the various... Simulation companies that you've been affiliated with, and the experiences and the technology that you've been exposed to. I mean, you've dealt with full motion 3D type simulators, and I know what you're developing isn't exactly that, but it's trying to bring a lot of that technology to the home user, which I. I, I think when we were talking the other evening kind of fascinated me because I'm always, I'm thinking always the, the big time, the ten fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 simulators like you used to work with, uh, you know, with, you know, precise mapping of tracks, which I mean, to be honest, PS4 has pretty precise mapping of racetracks. Yeah.
1: but As far as track accuracy goes, you can get that in a console game these days. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy how far the technology's come. I mean, I, I've been involved in simulation, uh, motorsport simulation for the better part of two decades, um, professionally now, actually, and and owned uh, a couple or was part owner of a couple software development houses that built driver development tools, engineering tools, uh, experiential marketing software. We basically took a, a, an existing physics and graphics engine and my development companies would create the 3D worlds. You know, we'd, we'd create the tracks, we'd create the cars, we'd do the sound development, we'd do the physics the physics development for those cars, create user interfaces, uh, custom user interfaces for whatever client that we had. And then we could dig in and, and get involved in actually integrating fluid dynamics, diagnostic software, just all kinds of crazy stuff where teams were using our software to develop suspension packages aero packages they were using it for driver training they were using it for engineer to driver communication like working on that back and forth while the drivers in the car the engineers up on the box reading live telemetry There's just there's so much so much from the real world that you can bring into simulation these days and it's been really cool like you were saying it's been really cool for me to sit back over the last if i'm honest And even if I'm dishonest, (laughs) I go back to Atari 2600, Indy 500. I mean, I literally go back to 1974, 1975, sitting in my uncle's backyard because we used to drag the TV out into the backyard on a nice summer night and sit there and play Atari until three o'clock in the morning when I was five years old. But we're playing Indy 500 and, you know, I'm four or five years old and that's how long I've been involved in this stuff. Um, But, Seeing where it's come from to what you can get now for what I would consider to be reasonable money is shocking. <laughs> it's it's I, I I it's hard for me to put it into words. And part of my job over the last decade or so has been putting things things into words <laughs> really well. And it's it's nuts to see the technology the way that it's progressing and it's doing nothing but getting better on a daily basis.
0: And you've been there at that super high end and tw- our Atari 2600. I wasn't privileged enough when I was younger to have an Atari 2600. We had a Magnavox Odyssey 2, so we kind of— I remember—was it, was it orange? No, it was uh, silver, and we, the reason we got it is my dad felt it was better because it actually had a keyboard-type thing to it, and it didn't have keys. It was this smooth—you know, it was really f- odd— but I remember playing the two racing games on it and remembering, you know, you learn, learn the pattern and, you knew right, left, right, 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 left, you know, whatever it was. And to come from that to watching you a few years ago, eight, nine years ago, I can't remember what it was, at Barber's with a simulator, when the first time IndyCar came. And one of the Indy teams, if I remember, correctly kind of thanked you for saving them a car because one of their drivers was having trouble with a corner and kept crashing the simulator and it, it taught him the track and they knew that he would have crashed an actual car not having the simulator.
1: That scenario actually got me uh, eventually... That that scenario led to me getting uh, hired on with the Porsche Sports Driving School at Barber. Um, it was pretty amazing. Like, I... I, we went out there, we were out, for, out, out at Barber with a simulator for an IndyCar test day and Oriole Servia was actually in the seat and just an amazing guy. And he had, he, it was his first time at Barber in an IndyCar. And I sat there with Oriole for probably about an hour, maybe an hour and a half and we just worked on the line, worked on the line, worked on the line, and we were running iRacing, and it's uh very early stage of iRacing. God, I don't know how many years ago that was, John. It was That was more than a day or two ago. And we worked on that line, and I turned around and noticed there were two guys standing behind me, and they were wearing uh, Porsche Sport Driving School shirts. So I turned around and, and looked at both of those guys, and it turned out to be... Um, Jeff Partner and cass the they basically they they the school is theirs, basically, and I looked at those guys and I was like, if there's anything you guys can do to help Oriole out, please jump in and help him. I mean you guys are out here on track all day every day, you know you're on this track more than anybody else on the planet, and both of them in unison just kind of looked at me and went, "Nope, I think you got it <laughs> and uh, so I just kept going with with coaching. And then when Oriole got out of the seat, they were still there. I turned around and I was like, hey, I'm Sean Yoder. How y'all doing? Do y'all need me help? <laughs> and, and it's amazing um, the doors that have opened over the years as a result of me, I guess, being involved in simulation at, at a higher level than just casually running around in Gran Turismo, um, like on a console. But I, And I say that, with all due respect to guys that and gals that do nothing but run around casually on Gran Turismo because I look at something like the the um g t academy and for those of y'all that don't know what g t academy is, it's literally a, a a race series talent detector basically that was started by Nissan and through video games i you, coming from the Atari 2600 background now I'm watching video game people playing video games lead to them winning the 24 hours of Daytona winning the 12 hours of Sebring getting on the podium at the 24 hours of Le Mans um, winning the 24 hours of Dubai winning races all over the world and these are people that were recruited through this video game it's amazing to watch that happen after being involved with this technology and and being a part of its evolution is it's it's humbling man it's it's uh most people don't have any idea how in depth just a modern video game is regarding physics much less the higher level software that you can get out there it's it is so real so real
0: now and, and that's gonna i'll jump and touch on there you talked about you getting your job at uh, psds or the porsche sport Driving School. We go back to episode 40 when Will and I and Derek talked about, you know, how did we get our jobs? How did you get that job? You asked for it. Sometimes it's all networking. This whole thing comes down to networking. So, you know, for the listeners out there that wonder how, how do you luck into this stuff? You don't luck into it. You just do little steps that put you in the right place at the right time. And that's kind of how your uh, simulator Company, not yours. And when I say yours, I'm including all of your partners in that. Right. Uh, you know, it's just I don't want to list everybody in that. But it, you know, it take it it takes a you know a village to make this thing. It's just been in the right place at the right time. This partner knowing this person introduces you to this person, and you get there. And it's the same way your input has been very va- valuable to the simulator is your experience from teaching Oriol Servia how, how to race and, and save him cars and prove justification there. But also knowing that there's a lot of people at home that can't do this. You know, I watch you and a group of friends on Facebook, and it drives me crazy, 100%. Are we racing tonight? We're going to be at, and, and up until about a year ago, you were all over the world all the time, and it's, yeah. you know, going... Oh, is he really at Sonoma, or is he really at Watkins? <laughs> oh no, he he he's gaming and he's in Montana. You know, I'm going. You know, you know when you posted, you know you were in Montana that morning, and now you're racing at Watkins Glen, and yeah, that you could get there that fast. But okay, yeah, and it drives me crazy. It, it, and you put the graphics up, and they confusing. look like damn real cars. <laughs>
1: so, oh my God, there's there are a couple pieces of software out there right now that. I wish my father were, were alive to see because I, my father uh, unfortunately passed away right before I really started getting into owning my own software companies and, and developing uh, software for, for, you know, driver development and stuff. And, but he used to walk in on me all the time, you know, back when I was in college and still living at home, I had a a little simulator that I'd built when I moved out to Nashville and, I built this thing back in 1991 or 92. And uh, I built it out of scrap wood on a car lot that I was working at part time while I was going to school. And he he used to walk in my room and he'd be like, is that real or is that a game? And back then it was definitely a game, like definitely a game. But as the years went on, things got better and better graphically. And literally he couldn't tell, like he couldn't tell the difference. And now if he saw Gran Turismo Sport on PlayStation, uh, there's a new title that was just released actually uh, Tuesday, I think it was called KartCraft. Uh, it's from a company uh, out of Australia called Black Delta. Uh, I've worked with those guys on some projects in the past, like almost a decade ago. We worked together on some some software, and they finally re- released their karting simulation. I defy you. There, there's one like if you go out and you look at Carcraft preview videos. There's only one thing in the video that will basically tell you that it's not real, but you'll have a hard time finding it. Like it, the first time I was watching the video of their preview of their launch preview, I literally I watched it ten times. I knew what Zach and his team were putting together was going to be special. I've never seen anything like this. And actually the world has never seen anything like this commercially available. There are some high level simulation software development stuff going on at the uh the OE level. And of course, Formula One teams, but they have you know millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of budget for, for those projects. I'm literally talking about with Carcraft, it's 17 bucks on Steam right now for early access. You know, it, it the amount of money that you pay for current generation, absolutely stunning, unbelievable simulation or gaming software these days. I mean, people and people are complaining about you know sixty bucks for Gran Turismo Sport. I'm like, how do you complain about sixty dollars? Have you ever like? And these are the people that are complaining about sixty dollars for three hundred cars and twenty tracks. And literally the access to go drive anything they want, wherever they want, whenever they want have obviously never taken a real car to a track or an autocross or a drag strip because 60 bucks that will barely buy you a burger and a Coke at most, (laughs) most racetracks, much less put your car on the track. It's just, it's amazing to me where the software has evolved to.
0: Yes. That's where I started is it's, where where we're at, what you've got going on with that, and then I guess what I like about your new simulator, and I always think about it and, you know, okay, I can get in it, and it's a lot of money. I haven't discussed, and I don't want to necessarily know the price point in your new simulator. Sometimes, you know, I feel bad spending a 1000 bucks. I, I won't buy a PS4 because I don't want to spend $300. And listeners are going, yeah, but you buy a damn car every two months. <laughs> so... We spend money a, in a different or way. Or
1: a 3D printer or uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Or,
1: or uh, how much is the mic that you're talking on right now?
0: Oh, actually, 60 bucks, 60 or 70 bucks. No, that's bucks. not bad. No, that's I, not, I, I don't I have really a very... It, it was more than that. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not a sure SM7B or it's not, okay. or whatever. It's decent soundboards and that that would pay all to a... PS three, PS three, PS four. Yeah, I whatever. was gonna,
1: I was gonna ask you about that task cam equipment. You got task <laughs> cams like in, in, every other pocket right now.
0: Now I've got, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of my new Zoom L twelve. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. You know, we, we all have our toys, but you're, you've been smart enough. My Zoom L twelve does one thing, and it does one thing really good. And you've managed to develop this simulator, so. I mean, the 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 pictures I've seen, you know, got a, what a thirty or forty inch curved monitor on it. So we're not dealing with the three or four monitors to try it's to give a 49 you that. Forty ag- nine inch. Forty nine inch. F- yeah.
1: Forty nine inch curve. That yeah. it's the new forty. That we're we are featuring the new forty nine inch curved Samsung Ultra Wide. It's thirty eight forty by ten eighty. Uh, it's the monitor of choice right now, I think, for for what we're getting into if you are pc only um it's it's not 4k and a lot of people poo-poo it because it's not 4k but i unpoo poo poo it because it's uh one millisecond refresh time 144 hertz refresh rate it's beautiful and it's 32 by 9 so it's it's wide enough to where you don't need to run that triple display setup like you were talking about and it just looks cleaner it looks cleaner and I can get it right up behind the steering wheel and your field of view is perfect. And it's, I could go on, but I'll get really, really geeky and I don't really want to do that right now.
0: I, I, I think you, you've already over geeked a little bit, but it, uh, I apologize. or, or I'm or, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, like I don't do that too often either. I'll, I'll say that one does pop up on my Facebook feed under, I think staples quite often. I think that's their monitor of choice. They keep recommending that I buy. It which would look game, which would look really good here in the studio. Yes, it but, would. I but, think two of them would look even better. But I digress there. But you've managed to figure out, okay, you know, instead of going after that very small market of the super high-end simulator, you want to put it and make it reachable and justifiable for everyone. And that falls into, it's not only a simulator for racing and cars. It's a simulator for, you know, airplanes. It's a simulator for helicopters. And as you, you know, you're right now at the cusp of having your first two production chassis delivered. I know you've have them sold and you're still working on the prototype and they were supposed to be delivered. And I basically might be embellishing a little bit had them ready and on the shipping dock. And you said, no, they're not quite right. And you've talked to your clients and they understand. And yeah, you have went back yeah, to that, a little bit of redevelopment on that.
1: That is one of the most painful conversations, I think, as a, as a business owner, especially a new business owner, when you don't have anything out the door and you have clients that have basically stepped up and said, I believe in what you're doing so much. Here's the funding. You know, we're 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 buying your product that hasn't been built yet, and that's what these two people did. And I'll I'll be eternally grateful grateful to these folks forever. And as as a result, I mean anything that we do, they're gonna get. And and I and I don't mean that by like anything that we do right now will include in their simulator. I literally mean when I have an upgrade, when we have a new pedal set, when we have uh, a new handbrake when we integrate the new dashboard and everything. These two folks get it all because they believed in what we were doing up front. And it's it's been an interesting road, John. It's, we started off uh, last December, actually, and coming from keeping this on the no driving gloves front as much as possible, being the vehicular show that, that it is, I come from a motorsports background. Um, I've always raced. I started racing motocross when I was four. Um, and I've, I've been on the four wheel side of things, you know, in, in cars, um, started, I raced carts a little bit when I was, I don't know, eight or nine. Um, and then stuck with motorcycles till later in life and then started driving. I drove some stock cars. I just, I've been involved in motorsport forever and ever and ever. And now I'm, I'm a sports car junkie, love road racing to death, love endurance racing that's kind of what got me involved in simulation was I wanted something to train with when I was away from the track. So I found this group of like-minded folks who was taking software that was already on the shelf, ripping it apart and simulating what they were racing with software that was already available. And that kind of, that was the spark. And it got me to the point where, you know, like I said earlier, we we consulted with a couple hardware companies over the years, owned a couple software companies, uh almost had a couple major releases as far as triple A titles for uh in the in the video game realm, but that still stings. I'm not gonna talk about that right now. And and getting to the point of what you were talking about with our new chassis, I have seen so many folks go after motorsport only. You know and and it's that's a niche that's globally that's a couple hundred thousand people that's that's your market and it's saturated it's it's crazy saturated and a lot of folks will they'll look at our chassis and am i allowed to say the name of the company yeah am i, I was gonna say that
0: i was gonna say do, right. you, do you want to tell people where they might yeah. be able to see it or learn right now more? you
1: can find us at nemesis lab on facebook um we have a website that's basically sitting there ready to go the website hasn't i haven't flipped the switch on the website yet because quite honestly i want to flip the switch when we have product ready to sell i don't want to be one of those tech companies that's always talking about coming soon soon to me is death soon is soon creates vaporware and i don't ever want to be vaporware getting back to the development of this thing we put this chassis together after consulting with all of these hardware companies and being involved in this for so long, I realized that you have to niche up a little bit and I'm not niching up just a little bit. I'm trying to basically niche up into gaming from the motorsport background. And the cool thing about that is if you set your ergonomics up in the chassis to mimic a very comfortable seating position in a car, if you're very comfortable in it for you know two or three hours, four hours, five hours at a time driving, then you're also very comfortable in it for two, three, four, five, ten hours flying or playing Minecraft or playing Call of Duty or Fortnite or I don't care. I truly don't care. I just I want it to be an ergonomically correct environment, easily adjustable, very durable, incredibly sturdy. Um, it will be motion platform adaptable. So like you were saying, you know, I, I I do come from a background of 30 to 50 to $70,000 simulators, which on the motion side of things, that's actually low cost. Um, you know, most motion simulators that people are looking at, if if you're looking at like a a formula one style motion platform, we're talking seven figures or more. Um, but our chassis are going to hit the ground running at around 2,500 bucks for just the chassis and the reason why we're looking at that price point is because i want someone who has just gone out and spent two grand on a pc thousand dollars plus on a monitor Um, they probably have fifteen hundred dollars worth of keyboard mouse and control sets whether it be flight controls or steering and pedals or you know what whatever it is they're using for their game of choice. I mean, I, I, there are some three or four hundred dollar mice out there for like Call of Duty and fast switch games and uh, all kinds of different. It's crazy the amount of money you can spend on peripherals for gaming these days. So my thought process is incredibly adjustable, very robust, unbelievably comfortable, adaptable to whatever scenario you want to you want to throw at it for what I would consider to be a reasonable price point for a high-end component. Does does that make sense?
0: At least it makes perfect sense to me, and I think, you know, it's an ambitious goal. And when you, you know, you're talking funding and that, you know, the first thing that always goes through my head is Kickstarter and that. And these are not, as you you didn't do this through Kickstarter. This has been a multi-year project. You know, it's one of these dreams you've talked to me about many times over the years, and said a little bit earlier, just a matter of the right people at the right in the right place at the right time. And uh, you went into this with technically no customers, and I think word of mouth kind of got a couple of people to step up and you know place this order. Which I think more of the motivation is I, I've got a machinist buddy at work, friends friends with at work, coworker that he's been talking just as long if not longer than you about building watches and i can bring up watches because watches and car guys go together and (laughs) recently he's stepped up his machining ability and bought some serious equipment for uh you know making watches and i think he's getting there but he needs that push over the edge because it's always a prototype and always a design and he needs somebody to step up and write him a check and believe it or not his price points and uh, are higher than yours for for these watches that you know he's no that's cu- easily believable you know custom watch C- custom machining you know all, all this stuff and I think the customer helps you. It motivates you because it's all of a sudden not a dream. Now you have a goal is to get that chassis into those people's hands. And then once those chassis are delivered, then it's to get those next couple of customers. And that, I think, is very crucial to any business and especially a startup like yours. I'm dying to come, you know, check it out and maybe sit in one of these things. Oh, and,
1: and, get and, you. You know, you know that you're you're right around the corner, man. We'll, and, we'll uh, definitely get you one. We'll,
0: my significant others of the, the past lab. will tell you. I did, yeah. We'll, we'll I, I get just,
1: everybody from their driving gloves up, up at the lab one night, yeah. and we'll do some live
0: streaming and some podcasting from there. There's a crazy idea that passed through my head, but we'll keep that one quiet. But we we'll coming <laughs> um, I was just saying that. I'm not a video game guy. I do my best to avoid video games. It goes back to uh, play roller skating at a birthday party when I was probably eight or nine years old. And I went in with, I don't know if it was $5 or $10 or $20. But I remember spending all my money on video games, a quarter a piece and not roller skating. And then by the end of the the party i was desperate enough checking all the change slots and that so i could have a couple of quarters to go home with so i didn't spend all my money on video games and that scarred me and i don't <laughs> here we are talking about <laughs> me me not wanting to spend a quarter but i bought two cars a <laughs> the, oh, that's hilarious and, and that's hilarious and, and the, so i had
1: the same experience in a casino the first time i walked into a casino i lost 20 bucks in like three and a half minutes and i, I haven't gambled since
0: I think I I went saw a show with you many years back, uh, and it was you know we, I think I spent that much walking through the casino just from the parking lot getting to the the comedian that we were seeing. And, yeah, it's easy to do, but yeah, I, I have crazy. no problem doing that in a casino. Really? <laughs> so
1: you're uh, okay with you? So you'll spend money on on gambling in a casino?
0: You can't win if Which you don't play. You spend
1: money on a video game system that you could literally sit there and amortize the cost of entry over years.
0: Uh, yes.
1: We're, okay, okay. I just, just try... I'm, I learn more about you every time we talk, John.
0: And now, when you get the module for your simulator that all of a sudden puts a slot machine in front of me or a craps table...
1: <laughs> How about if I... I, I I could literally add into the software the ability to charge you for damaging the vehicle. So the, the, the gambling aspect is, will you wreck or will you not?
0: No, because that probably then goes back a little bit to why I don't race cars, because <sighs> I, I want to win and I can't afford to win.
1: I was really hoping you'd say, yeah, that sounds great, because that was going to fund the development of our motion platform.
0: Well, when you said the... Uh, Just from you alone. When you said the accident thing, and I'm going to jump into this, and where we started on episode 13 talking to you and Andy Pilgrim and things like that, this simulator you have, I now all of a sudden I'm going the educational aspects and the safety aspects of it and teaching people to drive. And you know, I had a friend post that, you know, she's showing her daughter how to drive. She's 15 now, and... Oh, it's her first driving lesson, and jumping back to the Andy episode, I'm going, no, he, Andy was right. That child started to learn how to drive the moment that car seat turned around, and now you're trying to unteach her 14 years of driving in this one year before she turns 16 in the state of Illinois to get her license. A lot of and, truth to that. I learned a lot from the Andy Pilgrim episode and going through his website, and I hate to keep jumping back to it, but now all of a sudden I see opportunities because, I mean, your chassis is 2500 bucks, and then, of course, there's the modules to add, the pedal sets, and the, and maybe a school doesn't need quite that, but you could do that. You know, all of a sudden there's charging for or there's points or however, to give a little bit better driver's ed instruction because, you know, if you buy everybody, you know, you buy a school gets whatever, and I'm not even sure how driver's ed works anymore. If everybody gets, you know, a school gets two Ford focuses, there's 40 grand and granted they'll run for a few years, but they could get <clears throat> for 40 grand, they can get eight of your units and they don't have to have eight, instru- you know, eight instructors or, two instructors one instructor could help everybody in a classroom setting in that so all yeah, of a sudden i
1: mean there's off-the-shelf software that that is literally uh driver's ed you know driver training there's there's stuff that you can buy there's a company called forum eight that specializes in they do all kinds of of simulation software but they have uh driver development modules that you can load into their software. And there's, there's a couple other companies that do that as well. As far as using simulation as a, a driver training tool or a young driver training tool, I, I think it's one of the best places that you'll ever set a 13 or, you know, 10 to 12, a you know, 10 year old to 18 year old, I guess. Um, and teach them how to not only the rules of the road, but teach them how a car behaves um, in a controlled environment, there, there are a lot of schools where um, I know even the, the local Sports Car Club of America has a team driver car control clinic. And it's more of a car control clinic than it is rules of the road type type deal where they teach how to teach young kids how to, uh, you know, control, oversteer, understeer, situational awareness techniques, keep your eyes up, you know, look where you want the car to go, not where the car is going. Just fundamental the basics of car control um, learning that in a simulator is really cool because a you can't hurt anything you know you, you bend the car you write it off you hit escape and you do it again and then the more you do it in that simulation environment it just starts to take a hold in in the brain and your brain does not differentiate between seat time in the simulator or in a real car and a lot of, it takes people, some people anyway, a, a while to grasp that concept. You can learn in a simulator and literally get out of that simulator and hop into a real car and put things to work immediately that you learned sitting in something in a room that didn't actually move anywhere. It's it's amazing how the brain connects all of that. And if you learn how to correct oversteer and understeer in a sim, you go out and you experience it one or two times in a real car you're going to know the fundamentals, the basics of how to bring that back under control. It's it's incredible to watch that stuff start clicking in people. It, so many different aspects of simulation versus the real world that they're absolutely amazing.
0: And, and it sounds very unrealistic that, oh, the, the time spent in a simulator will teach you to be a better driver on the road, and you can immediately apply that. But in these interesting quirks that I sit here and think, and I go, I, I never know these people. But I have a lot of friends that are corporate jet pilots. Uh, Some are, I also know people that, you know, fly 747-400s for a living. Right. And where they learn how to fly. (laughs) And every year they have to go do simulations and fly in simulators just to, you know, stay up to date in that. And if you're going to put somebody in charge of an airplane that's got 300 people on it and they've learned on a simulator... I think that's the biggest selling point when it really comes down to the real-world application of simulators. As we've discussed, the software is so perfect anymore, uh, you know, they're going to have to come remap tracks as tracks get repaved in that because things change and the surfaces change and the bumps aren't there and the dips aren't there. You're watching Formula One races before the race, and the drivers are in their cars with kind of a simulator watching the track and learning the tracks and NASCAR drivers are doing the same thing when they're flying to wherever just to review the tracks just to review they aren't using stuff that is that much more advanced if at all than what you know what your your company. Or I mean any of the other simulation companies. It's, it's, are putting it's truly
1: it. the same software these days. I mean it's so. it's so many people, so many teams, so many drivers are using iRacing as a as a driver development tool. You know, it's, it's laser scan tracks. Uh, they're accurate to within about point two millimeters. And that's height, width, elevation, and camber of corners. The accuracy with is within Point one to point two millimeters, and that's even in surface undulations. And that that does come back to your point about having to rescan a track. When you say rescan, that means they come out with these laser survey tools, and that's getting ready to change too. I think you're, you're getting ready to see. Actually, you are, we've already seen some companies using drones with lidar technology instead of the vans with the lidar on a on a hundred foot tall pole. Um, drones are actually getting ready to take over for track mapping and, and make things much quicker and much more economical to do. Uh, but we can, if we can look at Barber Motorsports sports park right in our backyard. Uh, they have had Indy car out there since God, it's how long has Indy been out there now? Eight years, nine years.
0: It, it's, it, it's nine possibly going on 10. I can't, it, it's somewhere okay. in there. I heard the number earlier this year and I, couldn't believe it was that long so
1: the Indy cars have literally been out there long enough to where their their high down force and high braking force has rippled what used to be the the entrance the the braking zone and the entrance into a couple corners out there the track itself is wavy in high down force high braking areas or, or high braking force areas And that has changed the way that you fundamentally drive the track to the point where the laser scan versions of it that were done before IndyCar really got a chance to do that to that track aren't relevant anymore. It's really strange. Like it's, it's amazing to me that you you can go out and spend 150 plus thousand dollars to laser scan a track, release it in a video game. And then it's not accurate anymore because the real world vehicles that race on it have changed the tarmac (laughs) just, just by driving on it. It's, it's amazing to me, but it's, it's cool. It's just, it's a part of the tech that most people would never even think of. Uh, But it's, it's just cool to see the evolution and, and how real world changes the sim and how Sims actually change the way people do things in the real world. It's been amazing to be a part of this environment for you know like i said over 2 decades um it, it's cool to watch it i'm having a lot of fun
0: well i'm looking forward to your simulators you know really hitting the market and beginning their strides next year i know you're you're not the only one sir yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> well they they don't put food on my table but oh, <laughs> oh. they could <laughs>
1: oh. they could i'll buy you lunch
0: yeah Nah, <laughs> I, I no? see where this is going and lunch would be the cheapest part of that dinner or no, cheap, lunch would be the cheapest part of that lunch.
1: Yeah. There you go. But I uh, i mean, you think I'm going to try to sell you one?
0: No, I think you're going to try to get me invest.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, that'd be amazing too. But I, you know, I, I, I would, here's the thing. I, I have been very fortunate in what, what we've been doing and, The conversation that led to the first sale for Nemesis Lab was literally that. It was just a conversation. It was a, so you've you've been thinking about doing your own thing for a while. What are you thinking about doing? I've been thinking about buying a simulator. Um, What can you do? Show me what you want to do. And then all of a sudden it was, yeah, I'll buy one. I never really went out and asked for you know this is what we want to do and and try to raise funding now i have thought about it um there's you know when you when you're starting a business um obviously positive cash flow does nothing but help that equation um but at the same time having that that vc money whether it be angel investor or venture capital you know uh seed round venture capital or whatever you look at as soon as you start bringing that in you start losing some control and and some of the business you have to give some of it up in order to get that in the door and i just haven't felt like we're ready for that at this stage of the game and i don't know whether we'll ever be i'd love to be able to bootstrap this thing and and it be ours you know instead of it being diluted a little bit because as soon as you start diluting something that you've been dreaming about for 20 years and not necessarily dreaming, but just, I've lived this for 20, for almost 20 years of my life. And um, I don't want a, an outside team to come in and go, no, you should do this. And it's not that I'm not up for advice and it's especially business advice. If somebody wants to come in and and work on the business side of things and bring some capital to the table have at it i want to design i want to build i want to develop i want to i want to make cool tools you know that's that's really where i'm at and i have no delusions that i'm not a ceo (laughs) i'm not one now and i don't want to be you know i i I want to build cool things
0: i'm trying to decide where to go from there but i think we've (laughs) really you know we know where you're at, we know where you're going. We know uh, we've learned a little bit, or potentially a lot of bits about simulators, where they're at, and the history of them. Uh some little inside facts and I'm you know, people always talk about downforce and stuff in racing, Formula 1, IndyCar, things like that. By being at Barber, I'm very familiar and I've been in on meetings and conversations discussing you know, what the indie cars can actually do with their downforce to the track—they
1: tear stuff up.
0: <laughs> but it's a road. They put on a heck of a show, yeah, but they yeah. can
1: tear stuff up.
0: You know, it's a road. How do they do that? Well, the fact they're going around a 2.38 mile racetrack in a minute two minute three <laughs> lets you know they're they're kind of scooting, and yeah, we, we and we don't have a long straightaway. I mean, we have a kind of a straight, but we uh, Barber's doesn't have a 1 mile straight or anything like some of the IndyCar drivers would like them us to, well, like us to have. You know, we've learned a little bit. I think you've brought a lot of light to this and it's been a pretty enjoyable conversation for me tonight. Hope that, you know, we're able to bring you back a little bit more often as one of those fill-in hosts. You, you're very busy with your primary day job, entrepreneurial venture, uh, but I want to touch on just one or two minutes because I, I really want to have this conversation with you and, you know, Will, because he's kind of known for his uh, Dart build, well, up until this 42 mm. Chevy. I but, need I need
1: to see that car. I need to, uh, okay, uh, let me take that back. I need to experience that car. <laughs> I really need to check that car out.
0: Now that car's, uh, if I remember correctly, it might be done by now, but was undergoing some freshening. Uh, it had uh, had a technical problem that was not Will's fault, and they had to go right. back and do some uh, do some, do some adjusting for the customer. And I, th- I think it's all taken care of. The time frame's b- been about right. That that might be available, but I want to touch on that because here you are. Entrepreneuring one way, and you've done a lot of social media for a major Facebook site, and you've stepped away from that to kind of, I guess, side hustle. If if it's not going to offend any of your investors or whatever, kind of side hustle a little bit still in the Mopar world because that's that's your personal passion. That's what you know and love yeah
1: I don't know if i don't I don't know if I could consider it a side hustle or not it's it's I was involved in the the arc of modern mopar magazine on social media going from about nine thousand people on facebook to one point one plus million people on on facebook and um was very fortunate to be a part of that and there's no other way to really put it i I played a major role in in the Development and building of that page. Um, And and it was a lot of fun. I spent about six years with Fiat Chrysler itself um, as an instructor and product expert for SRT and uh, the Fiat Abart. And, uh, you know, got to do a lot of Mopar things over those years. That started back in 2011. And I started writing for Modern Mopar in 2012. And then uh, about 2013 is when I got involved in the social side, and then uh, I I pivoted um, I pivoted away from modern Mopar, and um, I'd known the guys uh, and and the the gal who started Moparian, uh, the Moparian social media channels uh, met them at a show out on the West Coast called Springfest, which was it's a modern Mopar show. Basically it's, it's the spring festival of LX's and the LX is the, uh, the modern Magnum Challenger Charger 300 platform. And, uh, so it's, it's that, that show out on the West coast was, you know, 1500 plus cars. Uh, I met, um, met Pedro and Cincida out there and they, they were the initial driving force behind Moparian. And they have built Moparion into something that is, uh, for lack of a better word, it's just it's incredible. Being involved on the social side of of these sites is is pretty cool. But when when you're involved with one, uh, right now on Moparion, we're we're approaching four hundred thousand. Actually, no, we're approaching we're a little over four hundred thousand total uh, social likes, and that's Facebook, Instagram. Um For a couple different accounts that we have, but on Facebook alone we 're three hundred thirty ish thousand somewhere in that area. but the engagement is what really gets me you know we will have our reach per month is around nine thousand or nine million people, but we are engaged with anywhere from two to five million people a month and for a a site and I say little it's three hundred thirty thousand people but you see this community, this niche, uh, car culture community that is so passionate about what they love. And that's something that you and I have talked about John multiple times about podcasting. It has the same ability to, to reach, um, you know, to reach out and really engage with folks passions. And, and, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to be involved with that. It, I can't call it a side hustle because I'm so passionate about it. It's can I have two primary hustles? Am I allowed to have that?
0: It's your schedule, it's your day and and it's your wife. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: Um I mean she's traveling a lot for work now, so literally if I work 27 hours a day, she's she's not home as much as she was. She's like, you know, calling me from Amarillo, Texas and stuff like that on a regular basis now. So I can work 27 28 hours a day and and we're we're fine. As long as I take care of the dogs.
0: Yep. I'll, I'll say to our listeners, because I think Sean knows, you know, if, if he could boost our listenership, you know, what would that be? It's not a hundred, a uh, hundred and fifty, not even a hundred and fifty, a 8, thousand. 8, I can't even do my math right now. Well, ten times it'd be eighty thousand. Well, fifteen hundred percent. I'll live with that. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't mind so, that? You know, I think Sean's a good guy out there, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to get him hooked up with Will because he, he, Mopar, I can't even say it because I don't say half the words right, I don't like reading all the letters. But Sean, and with his Mopar and that, uh, the, there's uh some three-dimensional aspects of that venture, and we'll get into that when we get him and Will together to champ mopars and
1: absolutely i I can't wait to i and i'm i i don't want to i don't want to get into a conversation with will where you're asking both of us so um how can you identify the the 1969 charger over the 1970s i will will crush me i drive cars fast (laughs) and i teach people how to drive cars fast i am not
0: the Mopar I'll be honest. I don't think Will could do that either. Will knows the little details. And then when he start, you know, gets into it, you know, when you get into a project, but uh, the difference is mainly the parking lights, they're round on the 69 and square on the 70.
1: <laughs> okay. Then yeah, you'll crush me too. I, I, I'll teach you how to drive them fast. You teach me what to look for to know what's what, because I'm not that guy. But I do know. I mean, I, I found a home with Mopar. I just I I actually left Porsche to to go full time with uh, with SRT, and uh, most people would would go the opposite direction. And it, it just feels a little weird to say that still. But there's just something about that community that's absolutely amazing, and it's it kind of goes across every brand, though, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's car people are car people, and and they're pretty darn cool.
0: I know Sean doesn't have time to listen to every one of our episodes, but as the listeners know, none of us are brand loyal, really. Will's closest. He's a kind of a big Chevy guy. Uh, just because I have two Fords in the driveway right now doesn't mean I'm a Ford guy. It just happens to be I have two Fords right now. There's no, no harm, no foul. We're going to drive what's fun, what we like, and... So be it. You know, I've I've had the Porsches, I've had the Mopars, I've had the Fiats, I've had one or two Chevys. I'm a big Chevy guy. And
1: I started with a Chevy, and I've only had one other one my entire life. My first car was a Chevy.
0: I'm trying to think. Uh, 86 Cavalier Z24 three door, the the hatchback, not the two door sedan.
1: I'm so sorry. I mean, awesome. It that wasn't a bad
0: car for what I knew at the time, except the fuel.
1: Not for not for back in the day. It wasn't. The it wasn't
0: fuel terrible. gauge would be empty with two two dots left.
1: Oh my god! I just remembered. I've had three Chevrolets. I had a vet. I had a vet for a little while. I, oh my god! Four Chevrolets. I've had okay, two. Vettes.
0: And you including your green one, right?
1: I had a Chevette yeah. and a Corvette.
0: Chevette, Corvette.
1: Yep. I had a '91 uh, Z51 six-speed car for about three months. <laughs> It was the, the absolute worst street car I've ever had in my entire life. I had a Chevette at the same time that I had a 69 Camaro, and that was my first car. And then I'm trying to think. I had a uh, an S15 Chevy truck. It was a drag truck that literally never made a pass.
0: And then now we'll go to five because you had this big 2500 uh...
1: Oh, that, yeah, that was, is that count is it a GMC? Oh, it was a GMC, really well,
0: okay, we'll, we'll let you kind of yeah. slide there.
1: I mean, that's, yeah, that was, I I drove around the, what could be, it could be described as a city block on wheels.
0: I, I drove lot. that when I went and picked up my Chrysler. I really kind of liked that truck, so.
1: I liked that truck a lot, man. It's when you got it loaded down, it rode so nice.
0: people <laughs> don't understand so nice. that, but when you need something like that, there's nothing that substitutes and I'm not gonna touch too heavy in it, but that's where my love of my present van is, and you're gonna join that vanning culture in the near future.
1: I'm seriously thinking about it, man. I'm seriously thinking about letting a a challenger scat pack turn into either a Grand Caravan or a Pacifica. And uh, I'm already getting grief from some of the Mopar guys that I know. Uh, but I, I truly don't care. I've I just I've always liked minivans um, for their practicality. If I get to do with, with these minivans what I think I might get to do with them, I'm going to like the minivan because I'm going to get to take them on racetracks and pass Porsches and laugh about it so that that that's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, that's uh what I want to say kind of the way, you know, I, I love love my little van and there seems to be a lot of minivan news lately for some reason around Chrysler and Iacocca and uh might be that that I think we're preparing for Iacocca to pass. I've heard his Parkinsons is just through some various entertainers uh, his yep. Parkinson's pretty advanced and I don't think he's going to be with us much. And I think we're trying to really pay some tribute to that.
1: As we should. I mean, that, that, that guy did some pretty big things. I mean, he, he Chrysler's been on the chopping block a couple of times and he definitely he, saved he
0: it. He allowed it to uh, be there a few more times.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, he saved it. And then he, it, he almost drove it off the edge a couple of times, but he did save it. And, i mean the the whole grand car or the caravan i guess um starting the minivan craze is i uh, it's still viable that's what's crazy to me is is it's still viable and it it speaks it just speaks to me it makes sense from a practicality standpoint they're comfortable these days I don't know am I trying to talk myself into one or have I already talked myself into one John uh, I, I don't know out.
0: like i i say I'm an enabler i can You know, I I think you're at a tipping point and I don't think, I think you're going to end up with one. I I know you, I know your car buying habits. Is it the perfect vehicle for you? Uh, Personally, I would say no, but I think you're going to have to try it to, you know, to make it work. And again, being, you know... You, you and I aren't at SEMA this week. Me, I always forget about it. You, you actually put the put Nemesis Labs ahead of SEMA. And yeah, I think at this stage that, and I hmm. think a minivan would be a much better investment right now than the Challenger at you know, providing Nemesis some growth room. That's really what I'm and, looking at. And and, and, and if Nemesis I'm, I'm grows at, at, and does what you up, want up? it to do, then it's not on on foreseeable that you get another challenger or insert perform mopar performance car to go along with the pacifica
1: insert hellcat charger here hellcat
0: demon hellcat red eye whatever Um, it's called that week
1: i would like i just i'd take a hellcat charger i don't need a red eye i don't need a demon although they're they're awesome i mean i i got to autocross a demon earlier this year um and yeah autocross a demon um it turned much better than I would have ever thought it would have turned. Now it it's not set up to go around twisties, but it wasn't if bad. You, if
0: you talk, <laughs> it, if you uh, listen to, oh, not yeah, CarCast with Bill Goldberg, not the Adam Corolla one. Bill Goldberg and Matt D'Andrea. Goldberg was actually going to take a demon and build a road racer out of it. You know, he's got unlimited funds, and he found, and he, he had the backing of a shock company and a tire company and the wheel companies and might have been Hotchkiss Suspension and all these companies. And they all said, you know, we're spending buckets of money to undo millions of dollars of investment. And that's kind of what Dodge told him is, you know, we spent a lot of money, so this car lifts its front wheels. <laughs> you know, you're you are yeah. undoing everything we did. Uh, when it came to the demon, and then of course you know they do the red eye, which is exactly what Goldberg was trying to build—is a, a basically a demon that turns. Yep. So.
1: Yep. It's and I would I would venture to say that if you went to Bilstein, the valving in those shocks because it is adaptive damping. It's not a. Uh, it's not a single. It's it's not a single stage shock absorber that they use on those cars um it's it's a triple stage or even a sometimes a four stage shock that you can actually adjust from the dashboard. I know that there was some valving in there to actually you know to to weight transfer to keep that front end up after it comes up just like an old ninety ten drag shock and uh it was sort of like ninety tens on the front fifty fifties on the rear like old school drag racing, but it was done with computers when you put it in track mode. I would be interested to see. How much of that they could just program out with a different like not you'd have a drag race setting and then you'd have a a track setting for like barber i'm i'm curious what what bill steen could do and i bet you it wouldn't be that bad just knowing what bill steen does and and having seen their technology evolve over the years with the, the srt cars that stuff's incredible it's that's a whole other episode man i could sit here and talk about
0: that for hours We'll do that on another episode and <laughs> sit there and talk for hours. <laughs> there you go. We're we're a little over the one hour mark right now, so with a little bit of editing, we'll probably get it back down to about hour five or so.
1: That's perfect. Considering you said we were going to do a 30-minute yep. show, and that's perfect.
0: Unlike your previous other side hustle of the uh, radio show, we don't care about time here. That's, yeah, don't that's care odd, about time dude. and don't care if you happen to say Nemesis Lab and check them out on Facebook here. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, if you want to if you want to say that, John, if you want to say Nemesis, check out Nemesis Lab on Facebook, that'd be awesome. It, it, we could get the host to say that.
0: Maybe, maybe we can work some sort of sponsorship deal there. In, until okay, then, cool. it was we'll great to now. have uh, Mister Yoder join us tonight and uh, check out Nemesis Lab on Facebook. And if you want to have any. Or have any questions for him on simulators or maybe want to talk to him about becoming owner of chassis number three or four. Message him there. You'll find him or send, you yeah, know, I'll see if I can get over to his, uh, quote, lab in the next week or so. And shoot some pictures of the chassis and that and get it up on uh, the No Driving Gloves Instagram and Facebook page. And if you have any questions for me, Will, Derek, Sean, you can email us at no driving gloves at gmail.com and we'll be talking to you next week later
1: thanks for having me on John. thanks Much for being here man.